You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So this is our second class on the Zerashim Shanan the Haggadah. And here he is in the depth of the Haggadah, in the middle of what is the, we could call it, the most important part of Magid which is where we recite the verses from uh, Sefer Devarim, and we expound on them to tell the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Mm-hmm. If you would have a limited amount of time for the Seder, according to some opinions, this is all that you would do, is read this section, which discusses the story, not Dayenu or any of the other songs that we give 15 minutes to while we run through this. <laughs> this is the section we're supposed to spend more time on. <laughs> and so he quotes the verse. When we cried out to Hashem, the God of our fathers, as it says, and it was in those many days, the king of Egypt died, etc. And the Jewish people groaned, etc. And then the Haggadah elaborates on that statement, Hashem heard our voice. And it cites a verse which says, Vayishma Hashem, Hashem heard. And then, Vayaris Anyenu, for, for that statement, Hashem saw our pain. It also gives you a citation for a verse in Sefer Shemos, where Hashem heard our pain. The question is, what new information is the Magid, the Baal Haggadah, teaching us? And what's difficult with this verse, and we cried out to Hashem, that he needs to bring verses to explain this verse. And let me explain this question. See, he, he avoids all the details. I think it's a, good, it's a good thing to do. In the Haggadah, you have Tzayel Amad. Let's go and learn. We're going we're gonna to take these verses and we're going to expand on them, we're going to expound on them, we're going to elaborate on them. So you would think each time you bring a verse, each time you elaborate on something, you extend on it. For example, we say, um, and they sojourned there. So they sojourned there means that they weren't planning on living there. So in order to prove that, you bring a verse from Parshas Vayigash, where when they stand before power, they say, we're actually, we're just coming here for, you know, a few weeks, a few months. And so that helps to tell the story of those two words, Vayagarsham. But we don't need to bring a proof when it says, and Hashem heard our voice, as the verse states, Hashem heard our voice. You are a verse. Right? You don't need to bring a proof to one verse from another verse. So each time, that the Balagada says this happened as we find previously in Parsha Shemos, it needs to be that it's elaborating and saying something more. So I'd like to suggest like this. The Kashile, that the difficulty that the Balagada has with that line, and has to bring proof for it, Again, the question is, why bring proof that we called out to Hashem from a verse that says we called out to Hashem? The answer is, the kashile, because the Balagada found difficult. Matzorach lo markan elokei avoseinu. 
that in, in Sefer Devarim, in Parshas Kisovo, the verse states, Vanitzag al Hashem elokei avuseinu. The aflafi ha'emes, shakadosh baruch hu hotziyem b'zuchus avos. Because although it's true, we did not deserve to go out. Why did Hashem choose us? Now you'll say, we had a couple of mitzvahs. We had the Dam of Pesach and the Dam of Mila. No, it's the other way around. Hashem took us out because He was going to take the Jews out of Egypt. In order to give us some merit, va'at erom ve'erio, we had nothing. Hashem gave us these two mitzvahs, b'damai chayi, b'damai chayi. But Hashem gave us those mitzvahs because He had already chosen us that He's going to redeem us and He gave us our mitzvahs. But why did Hashem choose us? And the answer is, b'schus avos. It was in the merit of our forefathers. Kedichsev, as it says clearly in the Torah, Hashem remembered His promise to Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And that's actually also, that verse is one of the verses cited in the Haggadah. And maybe you should um, um, stress that, that when we read that line, what we're saying is that we did not deserve to come out. Hashem took us out in the merit of our forefathers. However, this is very, very clear. If you look in Parsha Shemos, where it talks about the king of Egypt dying, and the Jewish people cried out from work, it doesn't say they cried out to God. It just says they cried out from work. And the Jewish people groaned from all the difficulty. It doesn't say, Yisrael chashvu alzeh. The Jewish people didn't think about their forefathers. The Jewish people didn't think about God. They just cried out because of the difficult work. As it says in the verse in Sefer Shemos, The Jewish people groaned from all the work and they cried out. It doesn't say they groaned because uh, to Hashem even. Just, just to, uh, so I forget. How many years did they sojourn. How many years did they stand in Mitzrayim? And how many years were they oppressed? There was, there was 210 years was the total amount of time from when Yaakov steps into Egypt until the last Jew steps out. That's 210 years. If you want, it, we're, so we're not counting Yosef, which would add another 22, just Yaakov down to the, the 210 years. The first 50 or so years that they were there, life was good. Really good. So now you're down to, right, as we say, the 17 years that Yaakov was there was, uh, was the best 17 years of his life. But that carried on as long as the Shvatim were alive. So you are down from 210 to about 160. Of that, about half of it was the beginning of the Jewish people shifting into slavery. And the last 86 years were the most difficult. Of those 86 years, the last year itself, which is when Moshe shows up and Paro makes it, the last year was really, really bad. But to, if you want to, the, the slave state, the Vayamaru as Chayehem, the embittered lives, that was for 86 years. They, ne- they never thought to leave earlier than that. I mean, they well, thirty years before, but but if they were just sojourning, why didn't they leave? Yeah, they, it didn't happen. These German Jews didn't leave either. Uh, and just out of out of curiosity, did anybody try to figure out if you could get from 
seventy to six hundred thousand or more. They say it was three million to eighty percent. In that span of time? Yeah, those cheshbonos have been made. But certainly if you have six at a time, it's very easy. Not that having six at a time is easy. But if you have six at a time, it's easy to get to 600,000. But oh, furthermore, the mipashti dikra, furthermore, if you take a look at the verse, it says, Vayizkor Elohim has briso, Hashem remembered his promise, Nirishu davar nosov atzmo, furthermore, that seems like some, some other thing, meaning that the Jewish people cried out, and it says, Hashem remembered his promise, which means they weren't even calling out because of the promise. Vayodamrinan, we have a famous statement, if you pray to God for the sake of someone else's merit, then they're able to save you on your merit. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the, that's, that's the rule. So let's say when Chizkiyahu says, Hashem, save me for my sake and all the mitzvahs I've done, Hashem says to him, you know what, I'm going to save you in the merit of your grandfather David. Because you can't call on your own merits to try to use it to Is be... Is that like when you David for someone to have good health, you also get good health? Right, it's similar to that. So the truth is, had the Jewish people prayed for the sake of their forefathers, even had they not had their own merit, then Hashem should have heard their cries. Then it would be obvious that He did that in the sake of their forefathers, because that's what they called out for. So He's saying, had they called out in the merit of their forefathers, then certainly the Torah would, would have saved them either for the sake of their forefathers or for their own sake. Elavadai. So therefore, these Ereshim would like to make a suggestion. When it says in the Torah, and you're going to read this in your Agada, we cried out to Hashem, the God of our fathers, that doesn't mean the God of our forefathers as if we're invoking the merit of our forefathers. There was a totally different um, idea going on, and um, this is a whole new original idea, which I'd like to explain. Okay, but before we go on, furthermore, why does it say, our pain, and our toil, and our pressure. What is the difference between pain, toil, and pressure? What is each one referring to? So these verses are going to answer everything. Now, we're not looking at this clearly, which we should be doing, by taking a Haggadah and reading it along with it. He's assuming you're familiar with the Haggadah, but as long as you get the basic idea, you'll be able to apply it afterwards. I mean, at the Isab Megala Amukas, he quotes from the Sefer Megala Amukas. That the Jewish people in Egypt, they were there, they had to fix the mistakes made by four previous generations. And I'm going to say this briefly, maybe too briefly, because this requires much more elaboration. But we've talked about this before, the 600,000 souls that Adam Rishon contained with him, that... um, they were scattered and shattered when he sinned with the Eitz Adas. 
And these souls came back in all the earlier generations, but and they had potential in theory to be fixed, but they, the souls were too lost. And so they turned into all these failing generations, and that's why the world couldn't fix itself until Avram Avinu came along, and then he drew it towards himself, and then the 600,000 souls were only for the descendants of Avraham, um, uh, um, except for those that were still remained scattered. So he says there were four generations previously that these souls were in the world attempting to be fixed. Shesimanam Amsa, meaning Dor Enosh, Dor Mabul, Dor Sodom, Dor Haflaga. These were the four generations. Vizar Rashatevas, Alf Mem Samachai, is Rashatevas Hamotzi Eschem Mitachas Sivlos Mitzrayim. He who takes you out from underneath the burden, Hamotzi Eschem Mitachas Sivlos, is Haflaga Enosh Mabul Sodom. Lechein Savlu Arbaonshem. This is why the Jewish people in Egypt, in, over, over, in order to overcome, to win, to fix themselves, needed to suffer four times. Again, we're dealing with four generations that made four separate mistakes. The generation of Enosh, they're the ones who invented Abu Dazara. The generation of the Mabul, we know what their crimes were theft and, and all the other things. Sodom, theirs was um, immorality. immorality, but mostly the uh, lack of kindness and the generation of the dispersion that built the tower. What, what are the four? Uh, um, Did you say them again? Punishments. Oh, that's the next line. Um, well, the 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 Dor Anush that did Avodah the generation of the Mabul that did all the things listed in the Torah, robbery, there was some murder, there was some other things, uh, Sodom and their crimes, and the Dor HaFlaga, the building of the tower, whatever that sin is. Says That's why they suffer four times. And the um, ch- children that were thrown into the water you, it's interesting because we would immediately jump to the to the Dor Hamabel. Right. He says, "No, connected Dor Enosh." That corresponds with the generation of Enosh. Because what happened in the generation of Enosh? Shiyam Okeanus hatesiv Shlisha Shalolam. Because we know that there used to be a continent, probably between um, the Western Hemisphere and the Eastern Hemisphere, somewhere in the Atlantic which we call Atlantis, right. but the, the Medrash tells us that there was, well, the, the Gemara, that there was one-third of the world was actually um, uh, put, uh, flooded, and sent under the water. And it's interesting, because if there was an Atlantis, and the Atlantic would just about cover that, one-third of the space of the land on Earth, it would mean that... Um, the whole earth was one big giant land mass. Rather, right, the Pacific. Pacific. What? Well, the Pacific would be surrounding right. the, the whole they say the land. The, they say that's what the continents would, that's why America, South America fits into Africa, because it's been separating and going on. Right, but here we're adding another continent, so that might mess up the, that whole Pangea system. But. But the Medrash tells us that Dor Enosh, they invented Avodazar, they did a lot of bad things, and God flooded one-third of the world. Now, were they a developed civilization who built spaceships and whatever? That's, that's the work of science fiction, but 
But he says that the children drowning in the water represent the fixing of that generation. Maybe the Dora Mabul was, um, therefore, because of the people's incontinence. <laughs> okay. With, 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 the, with the drowning of the, uh, of the males, how long did that take? Was it absolute? And, and how, many, how, long did, how many years did it last for? The, the killing of the babies? You would, we would say it must have been for, it couldn't have been for too long because it stopped when Moshe was born and, and it started um, at most, I'd say, a couple of years. Because Aaron is not thrown into the water. He's three years older than Moshe and it stops when Moshe. So the most you'd have is, is, just been one day because they knew the astrologers knew that Moshe. That the, well, the, Gemara, the Gemara says on that one day they threw Jewish and Egyptians both in. Right, right. But there was an increase on that day. So he says now there was another punishment, which another suffering of the Jewish people, which was that in Egypt during the height of the slavery. There was they kept the men and women separate. Meneas Tashmish, the separating of men and women. The Hainu, what we call in the Haggadah, the precious derech eretz, the separating of husbands and wives. Kinegedor Hamabul, that represents the generation of the flood. Shechat Biznus, where immorality was their main sin. As the Torah tells us, they weren't having children. They weren't having children, and they weren't wanting to have children. The Amin, in order to maintain the um, species of the human of human being, having children was like a business, so you can have more kids to plant your vineyards. Vayafetz ha'am, and the people were dispersed. B'chal eretz mitzrayim, keneged araflogit. That's the generation of the dispersion. O keneged Sodom, and for corresponding to the generation of Sodom, shenefchu aram al who their punishment was that they they were um, thrown under the rubble. Gam kan shaku The punishment was that the the children. Um, if they didn't fill the quota of bricks, the children were put into the walls. K'moshe Amras the Medrash tells us. The Jewish people um, um, had to bear the burden of these four kinds of suffering, which means, uh, it's interesting the way he's saying it. It's like the slavery was the slavery because they were slaves. That was part of the original plan. All this extra stuff the being thrown into the water, being dispersed all over Egypt, the separation of men and women, and the putting the children, those were to correspond to the fixing of the souls that these people needed. Some of the Jewish people even understood that this is what they were meant to fix. That's why the Jewish people didn't cry out. This is such an original pshat. I've never seen it. The Jewish people didn't cry out in Egypt for 209 years. Well, I mean, the first uh, years were easy. So 85 years, maybe 84, 84 years of this. They didn't cry out because they knew that they needed to be here to fix whatever they needed to fix. And when they understood, maybe they had some tradition about the previous generations, and they saw each of these sufferings, when they saw the children being put into the building, being thrown into the water, when they saw these things, they understood that it was all fitting, and that's why the Jewish people didn't cry out. 
unlike what everyone else says, they didn't cry out because they didn't know God and they were so caught up in slavery. He says, no, the Jewish people were at the level where they accepted what, what, their, what their punishment was. Wow, there's two problems with that. First is you're not supposed to punish the children for the sins of the fathers. No, 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 they weren't. No, the children were being punished for their own souls, the fixings of their own souls. These children were the souls of, of Saddam. Saddamites were not mixed in with the Jewish people. What is that? No, no, it was the 600,000 souls. That's why we started off. The, so the Saddamites had the 600,000 souls. And those yet. 600,000 souls came back. There was no Jews and non-Jews at that time. It was just those souls were trapped in Saddam. And now these souls came back, and they had to suffer this little bit. So I mean, this, of this amount of time. Sure. That they're being funded. Right, and they accepted it. They were collected during Joseph's time. And then that's where they they were... Right, the whole process, the whole process of Sefer Bereshis is all a a battle over these 600,000 souls. But this implies that that they're on a pretty high level. Right, that's what we say. Either either they, well, that's that's in terms of their purity. You can know without, without being. But I would say either it's they themselves who understood and they were on this high level, or it's their sages who understood, elders, yeah. who said to them, you know, this is a difficult thing, but this is all part of our fixing in order to lead to, re- to the redemption. That was the message given to them. And so the general approach was of acceptance. <clears throat> So they cried out when they realized the tikkun was done, and now it's over and above that? Well, let's see. That's the next line. However, <laughs> when the king of Egypt died, and what does Rashi say? Rashi says the king of Egypt didn't die. He got leprosy. He would kill 150 children in the morning, and 150 children in the evening, and he would bathe in their blood. They tried. They could find no correlation. They could find nothing to connect this to their previous um, stations in the world. Nothing. Then they cried out to Hashem and said, we accept whatever makes we figured out, but this, what connection is this? We called out to Hashem, the God of our forefathers, we've studied the stories of our forefathers, meaning our previous stations in this world, we find nothing correlating to this decree, why is this happening to us? Now, is there some uh, correlation between the Egyptian Exodus and the the mitzvahs of the blood of Pesach, you know, the, the korban and the bris. Possibly, possibly. I, I'd say the, uh, the the Medrash certainly says that because he bathed in the blood, that's where the first Marco was blood. So so if you, if you want to carry that on, I'm sure you could connect it further to those mitzvahs. Interesting that she said those two mitzvahs, because the dipping of the blood in the doorpost was the protection which would have been maybe more of a hefech of the blood that was used to trap them as opposed to free them. It's interesting. Right? I wouldn't have thought of those two 
Mitzvah. Yeah. That's cool. So he says, Amagitz, that's why the Baal Amagitz says, Why does the Torah say we cried out to the God of our forefathers? Because from the verse where it says the king of Egypt died, now we get what it means, the God of our forefathers. Hashem heard their voice and took them out of Egypt. Hashem heard our voice. Hear the, now this line again, he's going to repeat it. It's such a powerful line. The most powerful thing that the Jewish people did in Egypt was not cry out when we accepted our judgment. With our own will, we accepted the enslavement to fix the sins of our forefathers, meaning to fix the sins of our souls. So the truth is, they did need fixing. And he doesn't explain why they still needed fixing, but this was what Hashem says. Look at them. Now, because they're complaining, they're saying, we don't get this. That means that up till now, they have said to Hashem, we get it, we accept it, and we're going to, and that's why they haven't been calling out. He says, that's the merit of the Jewish people. That they said, we did sin, we deserve the exile, and we accept it. I'm, just, I'm, I'm missing out here. How, how are we responsible for the sins of the Sodom? It's our sins. It's your sin. You were there in Sodom doing all these bad things. This is not suffering for someone else. This is actually you in Sodom who um, did all these terrible things. And now you've come back in Egypt and you've got you to fix yourself. It's the same soul. Same person. That was you. It was you in Saddam. and Saddam. I'm, I'm avoiding using the word Gilgal because Gilgal people associate with some 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 other. No, it was you. You were in Saddam and you were doing bad things. In the same way, you were in the Dharamabal. Free because we were the same people making the bricks. Yeah. Are we accepting reincarnation then? It... For sure. That's for sure. It says that the people were destroyed, though, in, in the Mabel. So it sounds like, I mean, destruction, no, you know, shichet, is, is, is not leaving anything else. So it seems like the whole idea was to get rid of those people altogether. This is saying that there's actually no, a... Well, I'm not sure where, why we would suggest that shiches means that the soul is not the soul is gone. But these 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 the Dharma are the six hundred thousand souls. They were destroyed. The six hundred thousand souls don't go anywhere. Doesn't it say when there's a, a city of Avodasora that we have an obligation to destroy it? Yes, but uh, again, the, that doesn't say anywhere. Uh, on the contrary, I would, I'd say that's a proof against what you're saying because the Gemara says that Ancheir and the they suffer, they get their punishment, and then they go to the world to come. So, so that's, no, no, that's, that's the proof. That's no, the that shows you that the soul continues. But, but, but the but, destruction but, but of the... You'd think that their kapara would be the destruction. Exactly. So no, that's, that's once you have the Torah. That's once you have a real fixed thing. But the Dharamabal, they were, the bodies were destroyed. The soul still needed fixing. They needed to Four come times. down to the world. Okay. It seems hard to believe that the people who were in the Midbar, even before they got to the Midbar, were complaining about everything, yet in Mitzrayim, they suffered with all these sufferings and didn't complain. I mean, I just, 
You know, it, it, it is an interesting thing, but you know that's the way the Jewish people work. Um, we, we're, we complain, we complain, we complain, but we are about silent sufferers. We are silent sufferers. We, um, many of us, even the people who complain about their work and their boss and their friends and whatever, but uh, they they have suffering in life and they put up with it. Almost as if they're quetching about things they don't need to quetch about in order to replace quetching about the things they sh- could be quetching about. It's a hobby. Could it be that the soul, just based on your question, that the soul acquired that wisdom after some many generations? To, to a certain extent. Yeah. So he says, now let's read. It says, we, he, they saw our pain. That's the separation of the men and the women. That represents our atonement for the immorality of the generation of the flood. And the toil, does the children thrown in the water, represents the generation of Enosh, who were flooded. The pressure, the pressure, because of all the pressure, we were spread all over Egypt, spread over Egypt, which means that, and that represents the generation of the dispersion. Meaning the putting the children in the building, that was um, Sodom. He says, but the last two, they were not the decrees of the Egyptians. They were more, that was all part of, like secondary to the decree. Let's, let's leave that. I just want to go back quickly a few pages to page Tafresh Dalit. He's just saying that the, the last two weren't actually official decrees by the Egyptians. They were more a result of part of the enslavement was that they would get mad. But there was no official rule that if they were short on the quota of bricks that they would put the children in the, in the building. That was just something that the Egyptians did of their own cruelty. So the first two, he says, are... Uh, are were part of the decree, so we quote verses that talks about how they said, "Let's do this to the people." But the second two were. So, which one correlates to which? I didn't get like putting the children in the walls. What does that correlate to? Which, which of the millennium? Um, well, he says Sodom and Aflaga are both veslachatzenu, the pressure. But he says these count as one because they were both just secondary to the decree. All right, I'm going to try to do this piece very quickly because we're short on time. But this is Vihisha Amda on page Tafresh Dalit. Vihisha Amda This stood for our forefathers and us. Not only one stood up against us to destroy us. In every generation, saves us from their hands. So the safer Zevach Pesach asks. Why were our forefathers saved? We know. Because of the promise between the parts. As it says, Blessed is Hashem who keeps his promise to the Jewish people. In other words, he's reading, as many opinions do, that when we say, and this is what has stood, it was the previous paragraph which says that Hashem promised Avram Avinu that I will save your children. 
But how does that explain for us? Hashem says to Abraham, your children will be strangers in a strange land, and I will take them out and they'll leave with a lot of wealth. After the Jewish people leave Egypt with a lot of wealth, Hashem no longer owes Abraham anything for that particular promise. So how can we say, and that has withstood for our forefathers and for us? The promise between the parts was already fulfilled when we left Egypt. How can we explain that that we are saved because of this same promise? It's a great question. In fact, many of the commentaries reject that the word vehi is referring to the covenant between the parts of the Brisbane Abbasarim because of this question. Because the Brisbane Abbasarim was a one-time salvation promise. So he says, He says, actually, I never had this question. Because the Medrash tells us that in the Bris Ben Absarim it says, There was darkness, and awe and darkness fell upon him. And we say that that's a reference to all four exiles. Which means in the Brisbane Abbasarim was already contained all four redemptions. So we could say he Shaamda that actually we were saved in all the exiles because of the Brisbane Absarim. However, that's how I like to explain it. But others might not accept this, because the simple reading of the Brisbane Absarim is that it's referring only to Egypt. So, so in order to understand this in another way, let's, let's look closely at the language of the Magid. It says, It's not only one who stood up against us. I find this difficult. What's, what difference does it make for us if it's one standing up against us or many standing up against us? Wouldn't it be better if it was just one and not many? What a funny thing. It's not only one that stands up, it's all like we're proud of all these enemies who have stood up against us. So it sounds like what the Magid is trying to say. That Hashem's promise is that there would never be just one standing up against us to destroy us, that it will always be many. It says, but I, look at the language. Means it's not, not just one. That, that's not opposites. Mm-hmm. It's not only one, it should be Elisharabim. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, right? Or it should say, Shlobo Dor Echad. means once. One generation. Right. Once instead of every so, generation. But that's not Echad, right? Mm-hmm. Right, that's. Right. Tamachad, so he says, right? Right? Dip once, dip twice, right? Right? Okay. He doesn't say that, though. The dipping once, the dipping twice. 
But you know, I've already explained this and we talked about this when we got to that in the Parsha. The Jews stayed in Egypt for the full 400 years. There would have been no further exiles. Right? Remember, we talked about this in the previous parishes. They had to leave early. So because of that, we have to go back in exile. And going back in exile costs us. Now everyone keeps asking, well, why we pay so much more? That's our choice. We have to go back in exile, besides for the interest. And if we would have fixed ourselves within a couple of hundred years after this exile, we'd also have been redeemed. V'galam, Hashem had to redeem them, mishum misham b'chipazon, with haste, we moved into level 49. We entered level 50. We would not have been able to be saved. Right? This is what everybody knows. So this is difficult. If exile causes us to falter and fail, where in Egypt we fell into level 49, how is Hashem so sure that in this exile, where we're approaching 2,000 years, that we're not going to fall into level 50? What does Hashem fix? He's just delaying the process. Well, he makes somebody behold door of a door. What? I said, this is crucial. Yes, yes. So you'll say, So you'll say, well, maybe it's because Hashem kept all the exiles short. Bavel was only 70 years. He says, our exile so far, we're past 1,500 years. That's what he writes. We're past 1,500 years. We're past 1,900 years. Yeah, we're approaching 2,000. You're right on the mark. Tzitkas Pirzono Israel. One of the greatest favors Hashem did to the Jewish people and the greatest charities is that He dispersed us. The Gemara says, There's actually been a hesitation to destroy the Jewish people. Because no nation had enough power over the world to destroy the Jewish people. So no single nation could destroy all the Jewish people. And if they were to destroy just the Jews who live amongst them, then they would be considered a broken nation. And the Jewish people keep traveling from country to country. And that's why it's rare, it happens sometimes, right? it happens sometimes, but it's rare that a nation, any nation, should wipe out all the Jews that they have. Can you name any such incident. We don't really have that except for the the Germans, but even the Germans they were hoping, they only did it because their plan was to rule the world. The world. Oh, so if you rule the world well, they expelled the Jews. Right? But we're talking about destroying the Jews. No nation really took all the Jews within them and murdered them. But at the Purim time, all the Jews were in the bubble. All of them, they were not scattered that time. Right. So no, that's true. But but at that point, oh, the Jews weren't right. scattered, and that's why Hashem had to save us with the miracle. Right. But in our exile, which is 1,900 plus years, Hashem dispersed the Jewish people. And so because of this, there's a psychological motivation. I mean, you could expel the Jews... 
but that's it. Really, wasn't the purpose? Wasn't to expel the Jews? It was to take their money or or for some other religious purpose. But no nation has wiped out all the Jews because you look bad if you gather any people within your country and wipe them out. They would do it for the sake of wiping out the Jewish people, but no one ever had power over the Jewish people. So it would be worth looking like murderers if you could kill all the Jews, but no one has all the Jews. That's even a commentary on the McGill Esther. It says it wouldn't look good to, it has to be some other reason, because it wouldn't look good to take out your people. I would look like a bad king. So he let the other guy do it, so he wouldn't look like the bad guy. So he says, Hashem arranged that there should not be just one trying to destroy us. Because if we were faced against one single enemy, we'd be in serious danger. That's the poem story. Exactly. They can't destroy us. This is what has kept us going. Since we've been dispersed, they couldn't kill us all. But this wasn't the case in Egypt. We were all gathered as one. Babylon was also like that, but Babylon was too short for us to build that kind of level of hatred. So he says, so what it should have said is that Hashem dispersed us. That still doesn't explain why it says in every generation. Why doesn't it say every nation? Sometimes one nation hates us more than others. Hashem did not make anti-Semitism equal amongst the world. As we say, either in your shadow or in the shadow of the descendants of Esav, this is before the Chavrim came to Babel, some nation, that's after they came to Babel. And it's hard to tell whether it's just that they hate us, or their cruelty. Also, the message tells us that the Romans would be worse than the Babylonians. That's why it says, depending on our behavior. Based on our behavior is what we turn that specific generation into and the level of hatred they have for us. Punishment, suffering does not come to the world only for the sake of the Jewish people. And I would say this, it could be taken the wrong way, it should be taken the wrong way. Hitler was right in that the bad things that happened to Germany was the fault of the Jews. But not because we were undermining their country and giving all their secrets away to the Russians, but because we as Jews were not doing what we were supposed to do. We were moving towards the Jewish Enlightenment movement. We were moving away from Torah observance. We were adopting all kinds of... They said, Berlin is now Yerushalayim. They said that. So as a result of that, suffering comes to the whole world. Suffering comes to the place where the Jewish people are. Now, of course, that gives them no excuse for what they did, the greatest act of cruelty in the history of the world. But he's saying that the Choldo Vador Omdim Aleinu L'Chal 
the, there's a certain amount of suffering that's going to come into the world, and we in our behavior, we really are deciding how that should be dispersed. Okay, we're going to skip all these Gemaras. It says there that there was a decree against Jews having meat, and that's because we didn't give the proper gifts to the to the Kohanim. There was a decree against us being able to bathe, because we weren't keeping the laws of Tvila. That the reason why bad things were happening to the dead bodies was because we were celebrating Gaisha holidays. The point is, v'hi sha'amda la'avuseinu velanu. Do you know what has kept us going? Shelo echad bilvad amadaleinu l'chaluseinu. That Hashem throughout the exile has been walking us through a way to survive. That it's not one enemy that's come up against us. We've never been in position to be under attack from one enemy. El shebechol dor v'dor. In every generation, not their generations, mm-hmm. our generations, mm-hmm. there is one other place in the Haggadah where we use the expression "bechol dor v'dor." Bechol dor v'dor, chayev adam liras as atzma. So shebechol dor v'dor means our generation and how we behave, how we see the Exodus, how we connect to Hashem. That's what's going to decide what kind of anti-Semitism we face. But you should know, he says, even in the worst, we will never be destroyed. And so Vihisha Amda isn't just a prayer about some past. Vihisha Amda is actually talking to us right now in the moment and saying you should know the reason why we're standing here today, the reason why we have a Seder is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is constantly giving us this protection. May we merit that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should redeem us. Benisan Nigalu, Benisan Asid Nigal, we should see the Gulish Lema. Cover the matzah. Right. right. Because, um, because we're going to lift up the cup. So we, when we do the cup, we put away the matzah. Right, uh, Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.